now turning to Brooklyn. In October 2020, without consulting the community, the city announced a high-rise housing development at the corner of Bedford and Church Avenues in Flatbush. The site is the last remaining section of an African burial ground dating at least to the 1700s. The Flatbush African Burial Ground Coalition is a group of artists, historians, activists, organizers, lawyers, engineers, and neighborhood residents who are committed to protecting the Flatbush African Burial Ground at 227 to 220, sorry, at 2274 to 2286 Church Ave, folks. That is just the intersection of Bedford and Church Avenues in Flatbush. Here to speak with us today is Joan Alexander Bakrin, a proud member of the Flatbush African Burial Ground Coalition and an advocate and active member of her community. She has been a big part of the collective determination in preserving the sacred Brooklyn ground. Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Amber. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you here. So let's get into it. Tell us about how this burial ground was discovered. Uh, have Flatbush locals always been aware of it? Um, or, or was this a more recent discovery? Uh, well, the, to answer your question specifically, we have, some of us have known about the site, but it was specifically, um, we have begun to pay specific attention to it because of the planned build that they that the um, mayor uh or president and the local council member was looking to do uh which is why they created a Flatbush African burial ground task force mm-hmm. and as a result of that task force uh or the they engaged the community and because the community was engaged in a very passive way, members of that community stepped up and formed a, a basic group to start to unpack what it means when they say that they're going to be building on this site. Mm-hmm. So as we begun to do our, our due diligence, it was noted that it was a burial ground. Uh, then we became, to, became fully aware of the troubled history of said burial ground, um, wherein we noted that since the 1800s, even before then, it was a known burial ground. It was somewhere where the Lenape Indians were first buried, uh, were first interred. And then as a result of the, the slaves being starting to, uh, to transition, the slave owners determined that they needed a space to host those slaves. So then they started to inter our ancestors in this location. So some people knew about it. Most did not as we began to engage our community then it started to emerge that, that yeah, we were not quite aware of what used, what happened on the site. We all knew there, was, there were buildings there, but we were not aware that it was, those buildings were placed on the backs of our, our ancestors. Right. And tell us just a, shortly about the schools that were there and um, children finding remains and then pivot to what is trying to be built there right now and, and, and how you're fighting against it. So in the 1800s, we had uh, first a school built there uh, mm-hmm. that hosted local youth. Of course, no slaves, just local youth. Then you had the emergence of a shul, which is a Jewish place of worship. Uh, then it, it, it then became a, a all-girl yeshiva, so which is another school for, uh, for girls in, in that particular community that was known as PS90. Uh, then there was a, as the, the building began to 
to lose its its um its structure we they then determined that they being the powers that be determined that they were going to raise the school and at that moment as they prepared for this before they prepare for this let me step back for a second i think i missed a very important piece which is the the, the identification of remains on the site where it was noted and this is uh, anyone could re- research this as well it was noted that children at the school found skeletal remains first there was a skull found that a child you know because that's what children do they put it on a stick and they started running around with it and then other students took teeth home uh, again not recognizing the the that there were actual human remains they took it home to their their parents and then they of course, then there was a, a controlled dig made within, uh, with, uh, on the lot, and then they found that there were other remains there. They, um, dis- they reinterred re- remains. We were told, we're not sure, but we were told that it was reinterred at the Dutch burial ground. Um, but we are now requesting that those remains be reinterred at least um, with respect back in the space where they were initially uh, housed. Uh, and then as we now look to October 2020, there was a Flatbush African Burial Ground Task Force formed because, as we noted, historical census and maps identified to us that there was a burial ground on that space. We even have found proof that the burial ground stretches potentially under Erasmus High School, definitely across the street where there is now a a gas station and, and, and some other lots that, that abut the actual burial ground. We found um, evidence of remains. We have identified that Eve, who made it to 100 plus years old, is indeed interred in that site, which is why occasionally you hear it referred to as Eve's Garden. Wow. Uh, so now skipping back to October, when, our, when the task force was formed and they began to engage with the community. It was done as a result of a fi- findings that they that they had. Where in 2005 there was a controlled excavation, another controlled excavation, where they found remains. And at that moment, they stopped. No more building, nothing to be done at the site. They raised the the um, the structure to the ground. And then a few years later, we saw the the need to move um, another cultural organization from Caton and Flatbush, and they were thinking about positioning them on that lot as well. And then they did another, again, control dig where they found some remains. And again, it was stopped. But now now we go back to October 2020, where it was identified that this would be the site of affordable housing and vocational programming for youth which of course we need, it is a, you know, there's a lot of, we use that word equity and equity is not something that is truly um, considered and realized by black and brown community members. Um, we do now, as we're thinking about it, we do have opportunity for these vocational programs in Erasmus Hall High School and a few blocks away at the Flatbush Public Library. We also have affordable housing. If you put your back to this gate, and you look up, there's a huge structure that is there that is summarily empty, um, mm-hmm. that we can house our neighbors who are in need of spaces to rest their head. We have opportunity. So we, 
we challenged the, the, the concept of, of affordable housing on this lot because we, we asked for the sacrilege. Did you just ask for the, for, for the decimation of our culture, of our, 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 our ancestors? They have built Brooklyn. They put Brooklyn squarely on their back. I mean, if you think about Flatbush and Canarsie, we were known as the, the Mecca of carnations. So we had the best carnations in the world. World-renowned carnations came out of Canarsie and, and, and Flatbush. And imagine that something as ugly as slavery is the thing that made this beautiful thing thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now as you think about that and you look around at the buildings and, and, and just in general, the reality of what slavery was like, yes, it wasn't to the scale of the South. I mean, the largest slave owner in the 1800s had maybe 16 slaves, but if they have one, I think it's too much. Well, let's talk, Um, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, We'll jump ahead a little. Talk about, talk about, you know, the extent of slavery in New York. It it did exist here. It was abolished in in 1827, which means it was, you know, around for 200 years during the foundation of what was called, you know, the New York colony, colonial NYC, you know, and during those 200 years, as much of 20% of the population of Manhattan was enslaved Africans, you know, they, they must've had a huge impact on the foundation of the city. Talk, talk about that to the extent that you're familiar with it and, and talk about, you know, who, yeah, who, who is buried there and, and why it matters, which may seem obvious to some, but why it matters to keep that sacred. Well, so you've, you've touched, you, you've hit, hit it right on the head. Slavery was abolished in 1827, but priority, it continued. It continued. They used slave labor. They, they, they paid slave wages and they, continue to to force to um to, to i'll use i'll keep using that word to force our ancestors to do the work whether because we were an agricultural mecca right so this is mm-hmm. kind of where uh, quite a few of the advances were made i mean when they were um pouring the concrete when they were formulating any of the structures that you see as you look around the beautiful buildings as you, see, as you look around it was due to slave labor if you if you go just slightly a field of, of Brooklyn and you go into Manhattan, there's actually a, a in Wall right around Wall Street there is a plaque that notes the site of where the slaves were sold. Right. Right. So so as you're thinking about all of these items, you have to think about the fact that even though slavery was abolished in 1827, it continued quite into 1850 because then they were selling slaves into to the southern. Uh, states into to Latin America, into the Caribbean. So it, it became the norm then, right? So it was abolished here, but it continued. Mm-hmm. And Brooklyn and New York had a hand in it. So and, it's interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, we and there is an African burial ground down in Wall Street. Um, but what's what's the significance of having one here in Brooklyn? What's the significance of having one? You know, right now it exists, but it's obviously been fought over land for a long time a lot of uncertainty with all these digs i mean even that is difficult so what's the significance of having this you know officiated one in brooklyn um so, to- so as we step can i can i adjust that piece where you say the, the, the with the digs so it's it's one of the things that we found problematic was Go that ahead. there was a consistent narrative around that there were only a small number of remains found mm-hmm. and to be clear to be clear it 
there was a small number of remains found because it was a small site that was dug. They, they had a controlled dig within a, a very finite location, and that's why they only found what they found. Mm-hmm. So I just want to clarify that full stop. So now as we so now look to go ahead. And, and and sorry for our listeners here, but I think this is interesting stuff. So so you're saying actually it's they actually should have dug more, and the coalition would like to know the extent of this that they actually should put more you know resources into figuring out how many people are actually there. Or go ahead with that. So actually, we have three specific asks, and, so, and it no longer includes having them mm-hmm. disturb our ancestors any further. They have been consistently disturbed since the 1800s including when they raised the structure to create the lot that you see there present, the empty beer lot. We have community members, coalition members who go there and take care of the lot and, and do the upkeep. So when we, so we are not, we're no longer interested in, in having um, additional disturbance made to our ancestral remains. Um, they have other equipment that they can use that no longer d- disturbs the land our thought is that so to to do what you the, the, the to do something in response to the question that you asked in terms of yes there is a burial ground um there is a commemoration of of said burial ground in Manhattan that was also trouble because the community was trying to get a just a commemoration a a specific memorialization of that particular space but there's a building on it there, there's only a very uh, a dedicated space where the community can, and again, that's through months and months and, 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 and many different uh, levels of engagement to make sure that we were able to get this specific thing. For example, there is a burial ground in Harlem that now has a bus depot sitting on it where they disinterred almost 400 um, remains and they, they sent it to, I want to say it was sent to Howard University I mean, why, why is this something that's acceptable? We have many other burial grounds, Dutch burial grounds and others that are undisturbed. They're, they're, those community members are allowed to rest in peace. We, we argue, we counter as coalition members that this is something that should be, should be done for all. We, the, our African ancestors have put in quite a bit of work to build Brooklyn, to build New York. Honor their 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 work. Honor their contribution to the to to Brooklyn culture, to Brooklyn history, to Brooklyn sustainability, and allow them to rest. Right, and and um, how is the fight going? What are you doing to 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 you know make your demands heard? And uh, how's it looking for you? And and how can we or our listeners support support this? Learn more about it. Oh, wonderful. So we have been quite busy. We have met with, we are meeting with uh, clergy members because if anybody understands the value of a soul, a clergy member does. We have been meeting, we've been hosting teachbacks with uh, Dr. Michael Blakey, who, as you know, was instrumental in the framework for the African burial ground that's in Manhattan. We've worked with uh, Rodney Leon, who, as you know, is instrumental in the Ark of the Return for the United Nations, we're working with community members because our coalition is is vast. We have different um, community-based organizations and, and just normal James and, and Janets that, that see us on the corner and stop by to offer support. We have 
met with our um, elected officials. We've got the outgoing borough president who is now the incoming mayor, as well as the outgoing um, city council member who have written letters in support. So where it used to be perceived that they were against our work, they've now written letters of support in in in, in support of what we're, we're looking to accomplish. We have gotten the support of the incoming council member, the attention of the public advocate, the uh, uh, congresswoman, just, just so many um, community members, elected officials uh, have stepped up and stepped in in this moment to make sure that the site is honored and that the remains of our ancestors who have done so much work uh, just to make sure again that Brooklyn is sustainable, that they are they're being allowed to rest in peace. So the other thing that we've done as well is we put forward our three asks because, as you know, the the task force was working with uh, the mayor, uh, council member, and the borough president, as well as community members and HPD, which is Housing Preservation Department, and EDC, which is the Economic Devo- Development Core for the for, for the city of New York, and we have had meetings with them recently. We're looking to have another meeting so that we can identify what needs to happen. But even more than that, we're looking to have hyper local, hyper local community engagement because that is the reason why the coalition was formed. Because we recognize that the determinations for the the use of the land was being made by people who don't live here. So we engaged our community a lot. We provided a a basic proposal of what we've heard so far from our community, which includes the request that, first of all, the RFP, which is a request for proposal that has been created by the by the by HPD, that it be halted and allow for a hyper low halted. Wait, let me step back. Halted and the mayor and HPD, et cetera, puts forward. A, it puts, basically sends out a, a release that indicates that the RFP will no longer be considered and that for our second request, that a hyper-local, informed, funded engagement of our community be employed so that we can do our third ask, which is to create a community land trust. And when we say community land trust, we have begun to teach in for our community so they are aware of what a land trust is. Because for clarity, a land trust is not just around buildings. Because a lot of the land trusts that you see, for example, in East New York and other places are are around buildings and affordable housing. But we argue that a community land trust can be literally that, community-based guidance and support of how the land can be utilized following hyper-local impact from our community members. So those are our three asks. Get rid of the RFP and and put put a a statement out that is definitively indicating that it's been canceled. Allow for hyper-fully funded, hyper-local engagement of our community so that we can flush out what the community wants to have on the site and then have a community land trust um, utilize to put the, the land back into the hands of a community. 
Right, Joan. Thank you for explaining that to us. And and in 30 seconds, in our last question, you know, number two is to involve the hyperlocal community. Just explain really quickly how you all have been working in the coalition to involve descendants in this in this struggle. Thank you so much for that question, because it allows me to talk about how we have emerged from the initial formation of the Bedford Church Lot Group, uh, which had uh, descendant members in it, to a more focused group that centers descendant voices, but includes everyone in our community that wants to be a part of the conversation to make sure to recognize and realize and community-centered use of the land. So we've been engaging with our community in, in... We've had prayer vigils on the site. Another one of our coalition members, uh, they do drumming every Wednesday on that site where they have prayer. We have uh, every weekend we have cleanups. We've done planting on the site. And every time we're engaging with the site, we have walking tours. When we're engaging with the site, it is through the is through community uh, community facing work, community facing engagement. We we are always talking with our community. We have our, we also have over two thousand signatures, virtually on a change.org petition, as well as physical petitions that we walk around and we've hosted um, actions outside of Borough Hall, outside of um, City Hall and just any place our people are, that's where we have we have gone. As a matter of fact, this Sunday, coalition members have attended church gatherings. We've we've gone into churches so that we can make sure that our community is fully informed with not only what is happening with this space, but how they can be involved in it. And we have a website that you can not only go to find out all of the actions and the things that we're doing, you can also find uh, our petition so that you can sign on and, and add your voice to become part of this work. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop in the chat the um, the website, which is a, it's a rather long website. It's very intentional, though. It's a, uh, flatbushafricanburialground.org. So flatbushafricanburialground, one word, .org. And that is the website that I'm going to be dropping in the chat. That's how you can become engaged with us. And that's where all of our information lives. Okay, so to all our listeners, it's flatbushafricanburialground.org. That is flatbushafricanburialground.org. Joan Alexander Bakridin of the Flatbush African Burial Ground Coalition, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Amber, for hosting me. Uh, and thank you for your interest. And I look forward to welcoming you. Uh, to, for, to, today, every Tuesday, we have our meeting. So we look forward to welcoming you or any of our listeners to our meetings so you can help us to preserve this site. Absolutely. Thanks so much.